Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our Game Changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. I am Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then, buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and, of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. In three, two, one. Hey! Oh, is it a party today? Just because Daddy's not here? Why? So, I don't, so explain to me why, Bobby. I know you ordered this up, so yeah. tell me why. I like it. This is a shout-out to our friends in Mexico. All right. Last week, oh, yeah. this podcast that we love so much went to number one in, in old, Mexico? old Mexico. Boom! The whole country. How about well, that? Hey, they got some pretty good duck hunting down know there, don't they? Not, they do. Hey. But I think it Big was mule deer? the snake. I, I agree with you. you yeah, that, that's big, what it was. The, but it was a lot python. of fun. The topic to see was the python one. expert, and I bet you they're an issue down there. And it, ah, and that makes sense. It, yeah. Well, so, shout yeah. out to all of our yeah. listeners in Mexico. Yeah, so that's what I, I told Bobby. He sent me a thing. Number one in Mexico. How about that? I said, "Wow, all five of them watched it." <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate those people in Mexico. That's exactly that, that, right. It was a lot of fun to see that. Anyway, so. Well, this week, uh, oh. all right, Rich. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> enough is enough. So, look, uh, there's a lot going on. You know, we're only like 23 days to the first of September. We're which, in the heart of gamekeeping. The season. emotional year, right. New Year yeah. in the Southeast, at that, least. Tribe Dixon used to always say it was the emotional New Year, Labor Day, Dove season. You know, getting ready for both seasons, but right. planting food plots. You it, know, tis the season. It's we talked to Kevin Van Dam. He starts in late July. <laughs> you know, you know Michigan or even early August, but mm. not down here. No. It's Kenny Mike. We got the guru, the Dalai Lama, sitting there. We got to wait on that rain, man. But I mean, I just <laughs> as a, I, I forbid myself to start on the duck holes till after the Fourth of July, and actually later every year, and I forbid myself to plant anything till after Labor Day. Just. I and mean, I may be wrong, but yeah. Well, you've learned through the school of hard knocks. Yeah, screw it up enough, and you'll, you know, bust your budget enough times. Have to redo it enough, yeah. and you'll get it right. Yeah. Well, you know, in the deep south, September is the driest month of the year. Oh, yeah, I mean, it can be. You're it's right. One, it's one of the top twelve driest months. I, oh, well, that's <laughs> really good. There. Better get more sure why you can. That's right. Well, so look, this week we've got, and, and I. We've known Kenny Thompson for long, long time. Jackson, Tennessee, a long time. He's got a company called Plots Plus. Mm-hmm. He's been planting food plots ever since we started. Or as my dad, Mr. Fox, would say, he's been with us back since they hit Moses in the bull. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's right. There he is. There he is. Old Kenny in the house. So, Appreciate you being here, buddy. Thank you. You know, I asked Kenny how long he'd been planting food plots. He, he didn't know. It was a long time. <laughs> but he said that his company, Plots Plus, they think that this year they will have planted their 14,000th acre. Wow. That's, that's impressive. They're averaging about 750 a year, 750 acres a year. I, right. I don't know how you do that. Kid. That's a lot of acre acres. at a time. Yeah. It's yeah. just incredible. It is It is a grind. As we call it at home, we call it a spring marathon and a fall marathon. Mm-hmm. And, well, you, uh, and that's literally what it is. You can't do it unless you, A, love it. And B, you're great at it, mm-hmm. and you got some good equipment. You, you, you travel with that equipment too, don't you? Absolutely, he's a road warrior. Yeah. I bet he learned that by trial and error. The biggest challenge that we've ever had in this company was being able to be mobile, but have the size of equipment that you can be efficient on time. Mm-hmm. So there's a balance there, and a lot of our equipment we've had to build. I mean, the planters and some of the stuff we've actually had to build it, and but the moving equipment. We spend almost as much time that as we do the actual work on the farms. That's how much we have to move. Well, wow. that's why I wanted to have you as a guest. Today, yeah. today, let's just think about the day and age we're in right now, too. Listening to people we know, and I know, you know, run companies, run divisions, you know, CEO of this or that. 
and talking about what's happened to their transportation costs, I can't even, and the farmers that I know, I can't imagine what that's like going to be like for you. And they've got to, I mean, you got to, you have to pass that along or you don't stay in business. You don't have a choice. Yeah, absolutely. It's, that's been the biggest challenge for this year next to what we just come out of in the weather. So do you know anybody that plants more plots annually than you do? I don't. I mean, there's farmers that obviously plant more acreage probably in a year's time, but food plots in general, that's just incredible. I don't. We, we, uh, I mean, if the weather allows it, we can't stop. I mean, there, you can't, you can't stop. You've got to go and go and go until the weather stops you. And then if it stops me on the south side of a, of, you know, of a county we're in and it's not raining on the north side, load up and go up there and keep right. trucking. I mean, I try to make my routes to where we're most efficient for fuel savings, for time savings, but the weather always, you know, mm-hmm. it's well, like it's a good key. game plan in a game, a football game. You, you always have to fly by the seat of your pants once it starts. So, yeah. Uh, and, that, and that's basically what we do. Well, look, guys, before we get started, we got a bunch of questions to ask Kenny, and when we'll, we'll get to that. Lanny, uh, this is a time I think we always uh, – I'm going to look over here at Richie. Let, tell us about uh, who is sponsoring this week's podcast. This week's sponsor is Tractor Supply. It's where you hey, can – Hey, good partner of ours. Yeah, get all your food plot supplies. Well, you know, they're open on Saturdays and Sundays, yeah. which uh, that's a big deal. This is a big – hey, and they have BCP. They they do have BCP. Yeah, they, and they, they arrived there, yes. Yeah, and biologic seed. And do. biologic seed, no, no doubt they're, about they're, they're a great – not only are they just great partners of ours, and they get it in the space and all, but they allow access, you know, because we do – you know, ship a lot to people, but mm-hmm. people by and large want to pick their seat up, and Tractor Supply gives them access to it because they have so many locations. We get a lot of guys that call in here every day, and we direct them to them. Yeah, because yeah. they always, they always uh, have every it. one of them, yeah. it's just incredible. And they've get, I d- dare say, you drove by three or four on your yeah. way down here. Yeah, and I mean, they'll have other accessories you might need for planting. Also, oh yeah, yeah. they got a good selection of sprayers and all kind of equipment, Tractor and they have supply. a great bolt bin. Everybody needs a bolt. I know Kenny needs a bolt. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, they saved me back in the spring. We were grinding Saturday night, like eight o'clock. We burn up a diesel tank on one of the service trucks. Couldn't pump fuel in the tractors. Mm. Tractor supply twenty minutes away. They were open to nine p.m. So the hours of operation is how they helped me. Oh, being, yeah. Yeah. being open early and staying open late. Nowhere else on a Saturday night could I got a diesel pump to keep us running. Through the weekend. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. You know, y'all know me. I had to build like hog wire fences around a few food plots to have any chufas on the place. And uh, we were, you know, that's a pretty good bit of wire. We priced rolls here and there and tried to get it straight from a wire company and, you know, local supply and all, you know, Greg and, okay, hey, just, I got this price at Tractor Supply mm-hmm. and Meridian. It's the best price of anybody. So yeah, we great loaded a gooseneck up with big rolls of wire from Tractor Supply to do it with. They got gates, posts. They got all kind of good stuff mm-hmm. there. Yeah. What do they say for life out here? Yeah. And Something we're out like here. That. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're out there. <laughs> we're out there. Yeah, for sure. Laney is. So. Out to lunch yeah, is what Laney was talking about. All right, guys. So, so y'all go by and check out your – you know you got one, a local tractor supply, or they've got an online presence at tractorsupply.com. So yeah, we just thank a great them. retailer. Shout out to them. So, Kenny, I, I, to go back, I don't think uh, there's anybody plants more food plots. We want to pick your brain. And at the end of this – be able to for us and our listeners to have learned something that they can apply to their food plots. But specifically today, I'd like, I think, now, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings anywhere, but you don't, may. Don't say it, Bobby. You, you're <laughs> going to crush me. I know what you're going to do. You've already prepped me for it. Well, now you're going to do it in front of millions of people, right? Well, he he is as good at growing clover, almost as you are, Toxic. But he, <laughs> yeah, he, he, he may almost. be, the, he may be the best. I'm out. I'll see y'all. <laughs> So, what is your secret? Well, <clears throat> I do things a little different than most, but uh, <laughs> you think? Well, and, and for everybody's reference, you're located primarily in in Western Tennessee. Yeah, we we basically cover uh, West Tennessee from Tennessee River on the on the eastern side to the Mississippi River, then the state lines north and south. Um, and I'm out of Jackson, so it's pretty much in the center of that area, mm-hmm. and. We go just about every direction. So uh, I've always tried, kind of took more pride in my clover than I have other. I kind of hung my hat on clover, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, over the years because good for you. It's it's the one crop in our area that will feed the deer and animals more days of the year than anything else. Fifty-two weeks. That's what I've been preaching yep. and preaching. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to have in our area, and of course, everything I want to talk about today. 
you know, everybody's area is different. So I, I don't want to, you know, everybody to think that up north we can do the same practices and make it work. But um, where I'm at, we're going to go through two dormant stages a year, heat of the summer and the cold of the winter. And at those times, getting that field ready for those times is going to set you up for the success of when it comes out of that dormancy. So the healthier that that root system is, the healthier that the field is, the cleaner the field is, the the longer that that plot's going to last you. So when I when I go in for a client and I want to put in a clover field, I've got two objectives. One is I want to be able to have that field as clean as possible, and basically in my mind, I want to I want to have a magazine quality field for them as many years as I can get it, because on a perennial on a perennial field your cost is going to be a little higher on the front end. So I want to spread that cost out Man. for them and help them, you know, justify that spending that money for as long as we can it's get It's the it. best return on investment there is Absolutely. in food plots. Yeah. 100%. <clears throat> so, guys, also with us, I failed to mention, we've got Austin Delano uh, who has joined us. And uh, well, he's not going to talk either. You, <laughs> you stepped on his, you know, clover ego too. So he probably won't even speak to us. Uh, well, yeah, okay. So I was just fixing to hang up. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, you know, Austin, you, you're you're very good, and Toxie's very good. But I tell you, Kenny sends in these pictures that just I get jealous when I see them. They're they're beautiful. He sends them in with the twenty dollar bills to talk about it. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah. so, so, Austin, uh, I'm glad you're here. So, please jump in with some questions. And no, we, I'm honestly as, here to listen more than I am talk. Be honest with yeah. you. Too. Okay. So, I got a question. Yeah, if go you ahead. want me to start out, Kenny? Yes, buddy. So, you know, we often we're, we're we're selling perennial clovers all the time, and we talk about you know three to five years of growth. You know, is that how attainable is that? And have you seen plots go longer than that? Oh, absolutely. I, I'm probably averaging now seven to eight. Wow. And I've had off of off of one planting, of one planting, and I've had as many. The best field I've ever had is at fifteen. Fifteen years old. Fifteen years, mm -hmm. and basically, what's going to constitute when it's time is nitrogen is our enemy. Mm. on clover fields because that's what your weeds are feeding off of. You're not, your clover's making nitrogen. So at some point, your chemical applications, those weeds are going to become immune to it. And when they start, the immunity comes in, then the nitrogen is there for them to feed on. At some point, your practices of keeping it clean are not going to work. Mm. So the cleaner and, and the better you can keep it along the way, the longer you're going to get out of it. We're at, I'm going to say, averaging seven to eight years now. We have phenomenons within that time that could hurt us. If we have what we just went through with a severe drought mm -hmm. this summer, the second worst I've ever seen in my lifetime with the heat and the drought at home. So, I've, I mean, I've got some clover fields now that in the spring, I even shared some pictures with Bobby that they were immaculate that I may have to redo now because of what they just went through. The practices that I'm maintaining to keep them clean, I can't put those practices in place during a heat or drought mm -hmm. and put more stress on them. So I have to let them go. And let right. them try to ride so you out. find that you find that it's best unless they're completely invaded with some weeds. To don't bush hog them. Absolutely. Don't mess with them, and don't stress. Actually, I think you correct me if I'm wrong, but you are going to put them through some stress by stray, spraying them too. Absolutely. And the more you know, vulnerable they are. So that's what I have done is just left them alone. And I'll just speak again. I'm this crowing, you know, salesperson for non-typical clover, but it's been so good to me. Uh, I've got these big fields that I'm so proud of because I'm feeding stuff year-round, and I yeah. can see the difference in the wildlife and the place. It's amazing. And then this summer hits and had some big areas just finally go down, and they're eating it so hard to just brown, and there's nothing left. And we got all these rains in the last two weeks, and it came back even in the heat of the summer. Absolutely. So yeah. it's by, that's one thing I was going to get him to speak to, but I would caution people if they have had a really good stand – through the year, which means they've got a fair root system established even in year one, a lot better than the first winter, uh, don't take for granted that it's dead unless you know it's really, really dead. You might want to give it a chance to wake up when it cools off and starts raining again because it's amazing, I, I, whatever the word is, vigorous it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, the root system is the key. Yeah. It is no question about Look, it. Look, when we're taking care of the clover fields, what you're seeing above ground is the product of the work that you're doing below the ground. That is the secret. And it's if you keep it fed, we do two fertilizations a year on every clover field. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know your clover fertilizer, the, the liquid that we have is great. I mean, 
use a lot of it. You know, was it O ten twenty blend? O, you know, it's just a, it's great because there's no nitrogen in it. You can put it over the top when you put your herbicides down. Right. So we do two fertilizations a year of some type. So that is keeping those roots fed. The work that you do on those fields needs to happen in the time when it's not being stressed. So we get through that winter time, and it and it pops back out in the spring, and it's usually one of the first crops out of the ground. It's gonna, you know, it's great for bugging. It's great for just not just the food, but it's gonna be one of the first things to pop that those animals are gonna find in the spring. But once you start the heat, you can't you can't drive on it. You don't need to be out there messing with nope. it. No, even if it's gonna go through an ugly stage sometimes. And but trust your root system, keep it fed, and it will come back as toxic said. You can't clip your way to success. I've said it over and over and over again, especially in our weed infested world. We're, we're way more infested than even where he is. And you just can't. I mean, well, I, spraying, I mean, the soil, the fertility, all that, but the right chemical application is everything and catching it at the right time before things get out of hand, you know. That, well, we, we have, I think everybody's geographic area is going to have different weeds that they have to right. contend with. Yep. So, you know, all the farmers you talk to them in our area, they're going to tell us we're in the weed capital of the world. You know, I know anywhere from North Mississippi to West Tennessee, Ooh. I think it's going to be as bad. I mean, on the drive down today, I was looking at bean fields and seeing the pigweed in them yeah. and stuff. So we're dealing at home. The grasses are no problem. We can control them with cleth. We can spray those, get those knocked back. Our our challenge is broadleaf weeds. Mm-hmm. And the only the best thing I have found to control broadleaf weeds is healthy clover mm-hmm. because it will outgrow them and shade it out. That's right. So, and that, there is an excuse. There are some things because we, I, like, I love them as a mox, many different labels of it. Uh, but they're A – it doesn't get everything. Stuff that's similar to clover, especially mostly, you know, other lagoons, but I think even some forbs too. But there's things that it won't kill, and sometimes those are left, and the only thing you can do with them is bush hogs those. Occasionally, I think it's, is it, um, Austin helped identify it one year, as a yellow flower grows about three feet tall, we get a, a big invasiveness. Is it bitter crest, maybe? Or bitter weed, bitter or something weed. like it's that? In that? Yeah, it's in that family. Y'all so, I mean, the only, you know, Greg was there. exasperated. Was there nothing I can do to kill it? Golden I was like, also. Golden yeah, I was yeah. like, well, if it's that far above the top of clover, to raise your bush hook off and, you know, and then in that case, clip it. Yeah. My but I do is- notice over time the weeds that aren't susceptible to this, you know, herbicide that we like to use will we'll take one over if you don't find a solution somehow. Yeah. For instance, I mentioned pigweed a while ago, and, and it's different names. You, some parts of the country call it hogweed. Some call it devil's weed. Mm-hmm. But in our area, to give you an example of how bad it is, if there's really only two chemicals that's going to control it. To and, D. You know, really, at home, we're having better luck with either dicamba or liberty. Mm-hmm. All right. So, But that plant, it's going to grow three times the rate that corn does, and we know how quick corn grows. Mm. It's going to, each plant can make up to 2 million seeds that can be fully six foot tall within six weeks. Yep. It's that fast of growing. But the biggest challenge is if you let that weed get above six inches tall and you spray it with even the Liberty or Dicamba, it's not going to kill it. It might turn it a little yellow. It's going to pull out of it. And from that point forward, that weed will never be, it'll never work again. It's immune to that chemical forever. Yeah. So that's the only way to kill it. Bad stuff, yeah. So we, that's why, like in our spring planting, we had to abandon everything Roundup ready. Roundup, it's like giving a third grader Kool-Aid. It loves it. Yep. Give it to it. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it literally, we, I have, we, don't, we can't do anything else Roundup ready. So, uh, Austin, the first time you used a Mazamox, if I remember right, you were so fired up because it smoked the pigweed, if I remember. Is that right? It was really, really young pigweed. Right. And That's right. the key. Yep. It, it was, you know, it was already showing some immunity to glyphosate. And we, I think we had three different crops that year. We had, uh, that was when we were first testing out non-typical clover. I had lab lab and we had some just conventional soybeans in there. And so we had field three, you know, a big field, 10 plus acres split up into three different major crops. And, you know, you turn around and pigweed was like everywhere. So it was in an established clover plot. It was in brand new, you know, six inch tall lab lab and about six inch tall um, conventional beans. So, you know, I had used some Amazmox, but not 10 acres worth. And I rolled the dice and, you know, we hit it 
and got a really, really good kill on it. But that big wig is probably only four inches tall. Right. And that, that's the key. But any of those broadly specific herbicides, especially anything in the, in the Mazamox family, if you read the label, like I plead people to do, it was, it says on there for just about any major broadleaf wheat must be under right. X inches tall. And almost always it's going to say three to four. You know, you may bump your rate up a little bit, have you some ammonium sulfate in there and, and buy you a little bit of extra, you know, right. burn time and, and kill on a little bit older weed. But yeah, once those weeds get some life to them and, and they get up above eight, 10, and 12 inches tall, like Kenny said, you may ding them up and hurt their feelings. But you're not you're not really killing the plant, which right. is almost as bad as not spraying dog, because then you're just creating a situation for some immunity down the road. Well, it's the first thing I was mouth to just catch it early and take care of it early, because I think if you take care of it early, then I've seen what he's talking about. You have such a vigorous stand of clover, it won't even let anything, even including pigweed. It just chokes out everything. That and that's probably your best offense. And you're also getting the best return on your all your investment in it by Absolutely. that kind of clover too. So, Lanny, you ask about the duration on these plots. So, if if I start having pigweed in my clover field, that's where the mowing is going to come into place because as fast as pigweed grows, clover can outgrow it quicker if it's healthy, if you've been feeding it twice a year. So, if I start getting some pigweed in a good clover field that's not that old that I need to get eradicated, I'm going to mow it. I'm going to mow it high. But I'm going to mow it. But when I when I get the playing field back to even, and that clover's got a good healthy root system, it'll jump over that cut uh, pigweed and it'll it'll shade it out without any chemical at all. No, <laughs> no. interesting. I, well, there's nothing I can spray on the pigweed right. in there that's not going to stun or hurt the clover as well. So the only application that I do for broadleaf control is mowing. The only thing I'm going to spray on that clover, uh, in addition to the liquid, is going to be uh, liquid fertilizer is going to be clethrin for grass. Grass specific and. And uh, so the grasses are easy to control. That's no big deal. But again, he- the key to it, if I don't have enough food in the root system, if there's not enough P and K in that ground for that clover, then that pigweed is just going to keep outgrowing. Is there, Austin, too, on all these questions, is there a, uh, I've never thought about this tonight because in, in the ag crops, there's, <clears throat> especially in the old days, pre emerge applications of various things were very important. And in some of the stuff we today, like this summer, I grew some grain sorghum and, you know, getting a, a head start on stuff, especially grasses, pre-emerge is really important. Is there a pre-emerge for clover you can. that you know of? Austin, have you heard of? Is it it's worth the time and trouble? You can put dual down, but the problem is— And it doesn't is, bother you. It doesn't hurt clover at all. It doesn't, but the problem is that clover, when we planted in the fall, we're really not going to see right. a jump till spring, and by then the residual on those pre-emerges has already played out. That's right. Yep. So we've, you know— it would have to be for a winter weed for exactly. it to help. Exactly. Right. exactly. Hmm. Or, or a late frost, you know, if we have a really late frost or something. So. So, Kenny, do you have a favorite way of planting a small plot? Are you a broadcaster? Are you drilling it? Or? Well, a little of both. Uh, it all depends on soil type, location, um, size, you know, moisture levels. There's a lot of factors there. I would say that 75% of our new plantings in the fall and I only do clover in the fall. I don't do any spring planting. Um, is we're we're getting a good seed bed, spreading it out, and, and like I said, depending on what kind of soil type we're in, whether we'll, you know, drag it in lightly or pack it or or just let the rain weather nature handle it. We play that by ear as we get to those fields. Yeah. And you said you only plant clover in the spring. No, no, I don't find. I mean, I'm in the you know, I'm in northern Mississippi, but I don't have never seen. That clover is grows its root system fast enough to make it into the summer months, mm-hmm. unless you start it like September and let it grow roots all winter. So that goes into those two dormancy times we talked about. That root system has got to get established way before a dormancy time hit, and we can't do that in the spring because that summer heat hits it before the root system is established. The roots, the roots, I mean the weeds, excuse me, will jump up and take over, and you can't control them because it doesn't have a, health, a healthy root system. So I only do it in the fall, give it that, you know, that extended time to get that set up, and that is what's going to feed it through the winter, and then it'll jump in the spring. And just, what do you used to say, Bobby? It sleeps and, and then leaps. It, and then it le- sleeps, it creeps, what and then it leaps. Yeah, people will talk about, you know, I, planted, I heard you talk about non-tipple clover, planted it, and I don't see much out of it. 
And they're just thinking about, you know, did I plant something in three weeks where deer wearing it out? Well, if it's slow to establish, it's because it's doing what's more important is establishing a root system first. Yeah, down it's it's the classic tortoise in the hair. Yep. It's a perennial field is going to take you long. Look at your warm season grasses. There's sometimes it's three years to get them mature and established. Perennial fields are going to take longer to get established, but they're going to last you longer. Your annuals like corn or, or right. some of these brassicas, this wheat, oats, they're out of the ground quick, grow quick, and die quick. Is that the same in the north too? Only plant clover in the fall? No. No. Okay. No. So, so yeah, I was going to point that out. That so our friends up north, they're right. needing to plant in the springtime. Mm-hmm. But you, you know, they're frost seeding, and that that they're getting started or as soon as they can. Their the July spring. planting is equivalent to our September. Yeah. You know, really and truly. So, where do you think that line is? Yeah. So that's a good question, and you know, in our biologic catalog, we've kind of always gone through it kind of splits missouri mm-hmm. and comes yeah, through you, let me tell you it's not a straight line it, yeah no, it, it, it's can got you do soil, it by soil temperature it's got elevation it's got soil type especially you know clay versus sandy yeah. and so yeah. forth you know there's a lot yeah. of but, variables but, but just to paint a big picture the guys in the north are in the spring and the guys in the south are in the fall in that transition zone, that middle of the country. We've we've always said they could kind of do either or, and mm-hmm. typically somebody in that area can suggest, "Hey, this works better for me." Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you talk to them. One more thing too is when we do these new plantings in the fall, I always like to put a nurse crop with it of some type. So I, you know, different scenarios depending on what the landowner is going to need, whether they turkey hunt or not. If they do, we like to add in some cereal grains and let them come up with it. Let those head out, and that's a great food source for the turkeys. So at what rate are you putting that in? Well, on the clover, I, I go pretty heavy on the clover. Now, the clover plus and the non-typical, I mean, the clover plus over the years has been my tried and true. Um, and, and you know, we follow the rate on it, 27 pounds per three acres, 30 pounds per three acres. So uh, on the wheat and oats, I don't want to go too heavy, so I'm not going to go a full, you know, 60 pounds, but I would probably go somewhere in a 25 Maybe thirty per acre. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, okay. And that's I, what I was trying to get to. Yeah, so I've, been, I've been doing rate. like fifty. You know, forty and fifty. You know, yeah, I, I would with, your, with your clover because I want to see more of that. You know, whatever you right. want to call it, nurse crop, because that's actually what they're grazing. It, yeah. it, the you three, know. the three I like to mix in will be wheat, oats, and rye grain, not rye grass. Right. Rye right. grain. Don't and get started here now. Yeah, <laughs> don't get me started on rye grass. Don't but, say the R word. Yeah, but those three really, really do well. But in a different application just as many times as we'll add in maximum. Or I tell you, one of my all-time favorites is premium perennial because it's got those perennial clovers. It works so good with Clover Plus. I mean, they they work great together mm. in the fall to give you something to hunt over that fall, and then it'll turn into that perennial next spring. And by then, they've eat those greens down. Yeah. Well, and a guy can do his own premium perennial with if he's got clover already going, clover uh, clover plus, not to, he can add maximum back in and create what Kenny's talking I would just caution to. be very, I'm not trying to sell seed or keep us from selling seed, but be very light. On your overseed. Because, yeah, if you get a really established, a really, one thing I've learned is putting clover in with some of our blends or straight radish, brassica. It's just too much shade for them to get established if you're not careful. More is yeah. not better sometimes. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And the, I taught myself, I told the story, but when, when we just had some remnant brassicas in the hopper, we didn't even know we were in there. We grew these giant, you know, one foot, two foot tall prongs of stuff everywhere, and it was in clover, actually, ironically, because we thought we cleaned it out for clover. Just and it was crazy how much tonnage we grew. Just one here and one there like that. And, of course, the nitrogen, I'm sure, was kicking it Absolutely. from the clover, too. Absolutely. Mm. Austin, you got any questions? Yeah. So, Kenny, with me and you only being about an hour apart and having very similar weather the last two months, you know, extremely hot, extremely dry to go with it. Our customers are asking us a lot about what we're going to do with our perennial clover that's really taken a hit in this past couple of months. What is your protocol going to be going forward to help customers evaluate, you know, what they should do with these clover fields that have really taken a hit with this heat and drought? And what, what's our best step to try to help these people, you know, evaluate what they've got in their clover going forward into the fall? Pretty much all of the clover fields that we've been managing are going through the same stress that, that, that what you have is too. So, um, I'm going to be doing an evaluation on all of ours in the next three to four weeks. And within that time, 
you know, we've been very fortunate over the last 10 to 14 days. We've had two or three good rains at home. Temperatures have been a little milder. They've been in the high 80s instead of high 90s and 100s. So we're starting to see some regrowth in those fields. And, you know, all along these fields, that's why I make sure to always do two fertilizations a year because that's kind of my insurance policy. And I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm banking on that root system get through these times and these these phenomena of stress, you know, when you know when we do have them, I'm banking on that to, to pull us through. So to answer your question, we will be doing some mowing, number one, spraying, number two. Uh, we'll do our fire fertilization as always. And then if we happen to lose some fields and we have to replant, we have to replant, you know. And, and um, you know, depending on the age of that field, if it's a fairly new one, two, three-year-old field, we may go right back with clover again and just start over. But if it's a six, seven, eight-year-old field, as you mentioned, some of yours, I may go ahead and just start a rotation on that field and throw corn in there next spring, utilize all of that nitrogen that it's been storing for the last seven or eight years, get a great corn crop, throw a fall plot in next year, and maybe soybeans next spring and roll clover back in, in the following fall. So... The rotation is going to do a few things. It's going to absorb all that nitrogen because we're going to do something totally different than the lagoon. Uh, it's going to clean it up uh, because the chemicals we use on that rotation are going to be something totally new to those weeds that have been there. Uh, so to answer your question, when I evaluate it, I'm looking at how long has it been there, how bad is you know how bad a shape is it in with the stress, and can it pull through it or can it not? And that that's going to be a kind of a case by case basis. That, that's an impressive analysis of what, what you're doing. Because we always talk about farming for wildlife. That's, that's what you're doing. Well, I would, yeah, and listen to him. I would go back. In the, the simplest version, and if you don't have the simplest version, it does get more complicated. But if you don't get any rain, which was, he was asking about, it's tough. But, like, for now, my go or no go, I've had a couple of, I mean, we probably had two and a half inches of rain in the last week. And if within, say, another two weeks, I don't see anything coming back from that, then we need to start over. Yeah. Because I've, what I have learned, at least about it, the non-typical more that I've been planting, it, even in the heat, if you have moisture, it's going to come back. Even in the heat, it's amazing how heat tolerant it is. You know, for a clover of its, you know, stature and grazing quality. Well, also think about this, is that in that Clover Plus blend, we, we've got the, the – small amount of chicory in there yes, and it thrives yes. it loves 95 degrees so yep. that also is a, is a piece that mm-hmm. i'm going to evaluate i'm seeing if it burnt the chicory then we know the clover oh, is yeah. toast yeah. so yeah. you know that that chicory is a is a good baseline you know if it's burned up and with the tap root that it has as big as it is it goes down and gets moisture and thrives at 100 degrees we know that that condition's a lot more severe than normal. For the super serious whitetail guy, too, that's a frustrating thing to do that. And the one time of year, it might be most critical to putting some kind of finishing touch on your deer's antlers is that Absolutely. mid to late summer period. It is. I mean. The, but those are lactating, too. Late oh, yeah, late everything. Mm-hmm. And so that'd be frustrating to all of a sudden, you know, go into a, a no fit. That, which also speaks to why it's be so important to have some chicory. If anything will make it and give them something in a bad year, that that's probably the best crop to get through a drought. Yeah, that Clover Plus, Kenny, you've oh, used it. it. It really is a good product. Now, so a soil test and understanding the your, the pH of your soil that is so important with these clovers. Maybe even more important with the clovers. Hundred percent. We we pull samples every year um, on every field. So uh, what I found for us is. The lower the pH, some of these weeds will strive on that more than others. But for me, my clover fields do best no less than 6, 6.5 six, on the high end. I try to keep them in the 6.2, six, 6.3 six, range. Um, if I start getting above 6.5, I'm, I'm playing with that alkaline a little bit too much. I, I'm, I'm just getting a little bit too, too close to that line for me. Clover is, is so resilient. Again, that fertilization is the key. Um, you know, so if that sample's coming back and, and every one of these fields are going to absorb fertilizer different, they're going to absorb lime different. So what two tons an acre does to this farm might not do the same to that, you know, as far as how much it raises it up. So I, that history that we build through all of those samples is where I'll put the gauge on there and say, okay, well, this farm, 
you know, we only need a ton of acre to get that back up to that six to six five range. Hmm. I've got a good question for both of them too. I think in that, and maybe I'm wrong. It could be that lime at any time is just lime, but it just seems like to me the places that I did the soil test before I ever planted anything. It's never been in a food plot, and I got the pH to my desired level before I ever started. It seems so much easier to maintain than after the fact. It's almost like I was chasing it, and the the, the crop or whatever I was growing never really liked what I was doing. And I'm sure you know maybe there's too much lime at the time, but it just seemed like it's to me. It seems like a better investment to do and get if you need lime for what you're growing, especially clover, to do it before you ever put the crop in to start with the first year. Don't mess around with it and wait till you've you know had trouble. That's right. I mean, you think about in today's world with the with the cost of everything as well. The biggest mistake I see most folks doing their own stuff make is not doing soil tests. They think, well, I can just go 300 pounds here and 300 pounds there, and that might not be the case. Let that soil test let you know what you need. And remember this, that as expensive as fertilizer is today, that for every one point that that pH is below, is low, you're wasting 20%. It becomes inert. It doesn't even work. Say that again now. So for every it's expensive. I just paid a bill this morning. <laughs> so for, for every fertilizer, so unbelievable of, how much it costs to, to pH and fertilizer. That's it's all absorption rate. So right. the more acidic that soil is, the quicker that fertilizer could become inert. So for every one point that it's low, twenty percent of your fertilizer you don't even get utilized. Mm. All right. All right. Wow. Get your pH. Do you, right. do you remember calculus, Lanny? Uh, absolutely. Algebra and all that. Yeah. Boy. It, it's it's pretty complicated because it, when it starts going down, it's times ten. Right. Yeah, it's exponential. Get, expo, yeah. yeah you got to get your calculus level. You got to get your calculus level out because there's a lot of calculus in those horns. Phosphorus yeah. yeah. and calculus. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, so I'm a Gazenta guy. Yeah. <laughs> Six goes into thirty. The Jethro Bodine. But also, <laughs> more lime sometimes is not better because just as bad as being acidic on the low end and being alkaline above it, and you don't want to. That's why yeah. that six six five range is where I want to be. Yeah, I think I think we'll answer my question a minute ago. I just got after I said it. I mean, going back to what Kenny and, and Austin both saying is like getting a big, fast, rapid root system is more important than probably anything. And so, if you get your pH right and everything out, nutrients, soil nutrients right to start with, you know, it's just like a, a buck that's had everything mm-hmm. when he was a child. You know, healthy. Mom and everything when he's a one and two and three year old, he's got way better chance to be a great deer when he gets older. And the same way with your crop, if you start out on a bad foot, you're probably in trouble. Yeah, I think if Dudley were here today, he would say that that uh, through the years at his farm that they didn't soil test. They just this was before Dudley was old right. enough to realize what was right. going on. But so those guys were just throwing out fertilizer. And now they've got some problems where they're a little high in some things. And mm-hmm. and so that, that that's another reason to do that soil test and follow well, it. Well, you know, I didn't even, honestly, if you got a new place, you might not need anything or not need much. Instead of just throwing it out there so you're going to waste money, I, I told the story and probably on the podcast of the, the farm that Daddy acquired after all these years, and then Neil lives out there, and planting yeah. the sunflowers. And, I mean, I, you should go look. Y'all will, y'all will see it. Uh, which for the first time it's ever been, it just was in cattle farm and it's in grass, but it's never been farmed. We didn't put any fertilizer on it. All we did spray it. It was clear field sunflowers. And there's acres and acres of bigger than pie plate centers. Hmm. They're they're like that big as far as you can see out there. And we didn't put a gram of fertilizer on it. That soil had everything it needed. So probably would have not only wasted money, it might have been a detriment to them to put a bunch of fertilizer on them. So, you know, check the soil, especially with it $900 a ton or whatever it is right now. Mm. You know, if you just need phosphorus and a little of this and a little of that, then, then not only will you have a better plant, think about that. You don't want to test your soil for a, whatever, $15, $20 max maybe soil test to be done. And it might save you with 900 and some dollar an acre fertilizer. It might save you thousands of dollars. You know, not to mention have a better crop. So, wow. Yeah. I'm not soil testing. I'm talking to myself. I don't do them even as much as I should. Lanny, did you hear that about the sunflowers? Yes. And and we're only about four weeks away. So, let's so keep- you best be on your best behavior. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. 
Don't talk about his clover fields anymore. Nothing no, gets Bobby right. stirred up like feathers, <laughs> I can tell you that. I, I do like a good dove shoot. I knew what he was keying in on. Well, so, Kenny, what about, can you share with us, are there any tips, techniques, tricks that you've learned that a guy can, can do to make his, to, to enhance his clover? Absolutely. So, during this maintaining process, the spraying, of course, is going to be as needed. The mowing is going to be as needed, but on that side of it, one of the secrets, too, to get that longevity is is I want to be able with that clover to reseed itself. So after, when we go into the Clover Plus and non-typical both, and we get into the first few years, the Ladino is pretty much what takes over. Okay, so if everybody's seen those lush clover fields with the white seed heads out there, the worst thing you can do is go in there and mow it when those seed heads are, are tender, soft, and white. So what I try to do, and this is in accordance to the weed control as well, and sometimes that, that alignment doesn't is not perfect, but we try to get it as close as we can. But if you'll watch those seed heads, and when about 75% of that field, they start turning brown, and you'll see it work from the bottom up. It, it'll come from the, from the stem. It'll work around the outside, and the last part of it to turn will be the, the crown on the top. So when, that, when 75% of that field, and I get about 75% of that crown is, is brown. You're talking about the bloom. The bloom yeah. itself. Yeah. We'll hit it. And if you'll pick one up. Hit it. You mean you'll bush hog. Yeah, okay. So a good way to tell is go out there and pull one and just thump it. And if you'll start seeing that little bit of remnants come out of that bloom, that's part of the reseeding process. Well, don't you think if you get, it's getting grazed really, really heavily that deer are going to step on it and knock it out and they are. disperse they are. a lot of it for you? So, and of course, that depends on the size of the field. The bigger the field, the, you know, the harder it is to happen. But if they graze it real hard, it's not going to be tall enough to hit with the bush hog blade anyway. That's so. right. That's right. So I try to – you know, I try to get mine growing fast enough that I can outgrow the browse pressure, that I've got enough there right. that they can't keep up with it because I'm trying to outgrow weeds and I'm trying to outgrow the browse pressure. And that leads into, Tiges, that leads into a great point. The, the worst weeds that we have are on fields where it's being overbrowsed and the sunlight's getting to the ground floor. So if I can have a field thick enough and big enough that the deer can't keep up, then the weed control is, you know, a lot less demanding than, than when we have – a lot of browse pressure. Hmm. So I had another question. Listen to Dr. Harper talk about people over. It's kind of like a baseball team or football team. You say this coach, he was a great coach, but he just overmanaged. And he just kind of so strict on different players, he didn't turn them loose and give them freedom to be their self. Well, it's kind of like overmanaging the crop about stuff too. Uh, he said, like, and I, and I kind of – looked at it more in the spring because I, you know in the spring everything still is it's it's really coming into its own it's growing fast and you know it can overcome a mistake by you more but some um some cover some invade not I, I hate not invasive weeds necessarily not pig weeds certainly something like that but some of these taller growing you know the, you don't like the look of it i want my clover fields to look like a perfect golf course but he's like, he made the case for some of that diverse habitat created for some of these was good. And I just started thinking about it more. That even says more and much more important it is to spray because if you do have a weed bite coming on and you have these things, if you kill them and they're still standing, they're not doing anything, probably helping that clover a little bit through the summer, a little bit of shade, a little bit. And then they're also providing some other cover for light poult if they hatch and whatever too. So it just made me, everything I listen to and everyone I talk to is like, and I hear Kenny about doing everything right in the growing of the clover process, but it just points me to spraying is the only way you can get what you can out of clover and you cannot just clip your way to success you cannot do it i know 20 years ago they're like i don't waste the money clip it and i'm telling you that is that is the i've tried it and tried it and tried it and i want to hear what kenny and austin both say but i don't think you can actually do that you have to use the right herbicides you can clip too much um absolutely but for me when i'm clipping the clover field it's it's for you know, in a perfect world, I'd be clipping that field not for weed control, but for growth control. It's done gotten so tall. Right. The clover itself, you mean? Yeah, the clover oh, yeah. itself has gotten so tall that the, that the plants that are at the top are, are like leather. They've already matured out. They've gotten tough, and the deer are putting their head down in there eating the, yeah, the new I, growth underneath. Well, I'm clipping some now, but what I'm also doing, because it, it took off and I didn't want to mess with it in the uh, the drought. Mm-hmm. 
because it was vulnerable. But what I'm doing now is I'm clipping those weeds because, like, to your point, they've gotten way too tall. They start sprouting back some fresh growth from clipping them, and that's a great time to spray, much better than when they're tall and steamy. So that's kind of what I've done sometimes, and it has worked, is when you feel like it's healthy enough to withstand clipping up whatever weeds and invasives you had. When they start to sprout back in a couple of weeks, they're much more vulnerable than Absolutely. if you just sprayed them when they were tall. And of course, for me, when I talk about spraying, it's for grass weeds. It's for grasses. So Johnson grass or, you know, whatever whatever kind of grass. Because nut grass, for us, the broadleaf weeds, you know, we're trying to choke them out. We're trying to choke those out. So um, the grass weeds, the clethen is going <laughs> to knock those back. The clover should outgrow it. The mowing after the fact, what, what you're doing now, Toxie, is – is getting it back to even ground, letting the clover come up. Right. That, that's that's same same thing. I agree. Yeah. So a couple of different points here uh, to echo what Kenny was talking about on the pH level. I see a lot of the same similarities here in what we deal with. Six point two to six point eight seems to be kind of a magic range for our clover. Um, I've got a lot of fields that are in that six to six five range that really really thrive. And rather than trying to push them and apply more lime, even though a soil test may say I need a little bit more to get closer to seven, I find our perennial clovers thrive from six to six, eight. And if I just had to pick a magic number, I think it's that 6.2 to 6.5 range, just slightly acidic. So I think that's worth paying attention to. And there's, there's a lot of variables that go into that, different types of soils, but I think across the board, that you can you can bet on the mid sixes kind of being the magic range for for our clovers to thrive long term, um, and you know to talk a little bit more about what Toxie was talking about about not being able to clip your way and mow your way out of weed troubles in a lot of situations. You know, a lot of people have massive grass situations on their clover fields, and it's something they got to deal with every year because there's such a huge seed bank of grasses to deal with in their fields and it's really a case where if you want your clover to thrive long term and to be healthy and to out compete broadleaf weeds like kenny was talking about you got to use a really good herbicide regimen for at least two or three years and get those grasses under control because they like to be mowed unlike broadleaf weeds that usually get their feelings hurt pretty bad and sometimes die out after they get mowed a few times these grasses just come back stronger whether it be Johnson grass, shatter cane, maybe you got old fescue and, and Bermuda to deal with. You just about have to get in there for a couple of years with clethodem or another grass specific herbicide and really get these grass family weeds knocked back and under control so that that clover can continue to thrive and be a, a real building block of your food plot program. Clover is such a wonderful tool for a gamekeeper. And, Y'all talk about the feeding and nourishing the deer herd basically 12 months out of the year, but the turkeys also. And I'm assuming, you know, you probably see a lot of rabbits mm-hmm. on some of these farms that you guys, that you've got these great big clover food Absolutely. plots. But that it's, uh, you know, clover, we've always known it. A lot of guys have known it, but I think we're starting to see a stronger emphasis on making sure you've got some good clover fields on your property. And I think that's a smart thing for guys to do. So you, both of you guys, we're, we're kind of a little ahead of your time on that. Well, I, I had to learn early on because one of the farms that we managed and been managing it a long time, when we picked this place up, it was 430 acres of solid, mature timber. Uh, and in the center of it, it had a four-acre field, fallow field. It hadn't been worked in years. Bush hog, you know, it had everything from fescue to you name it, growing The worst. Out. Yes. So when the landowner called me and said, you know, what can we do? He said, I'd really love to have a cornfield in the center of this of this field. And I was like, okay, but you understand we've got 430 acres surrounding a sanctuary right here that's that's going to be like, you know, it's going to be tough. I said, I'm not telling you we can't do it. We need to try it. Get, dip in, get your feet wet, and see what goes on. But the evolution of that farm from corn, that that got eat. We made a great crop, but it got eaten so quick that it didn't get his money's worth and last even to Thanksgiving. But then evolution trying soybeans, and that was a disaster, you know. Yes. So what we found out is that 
the more isolated the area and the more browse pressure, the more animals you have, clover is the ticket to feed that many miles for that long. Mm-hmm. No question about it. And the, the thing that you have to measure yourself out there with is that we're such an instant gratification world that it's not going to be an instant gratification world. Like, like I said a minute ago, people want to plant it, and in a couple <laughs> of weeks or a month they want to see super green grazing, deer hammering, deer, I mean, but to do the most for your place, um, sometimes you have to listen, do your homework, stick to the plan. And I, it's kind of like analogies. Like I remembered, and uh, I was around people that are really smart in baseball, and they were talking about pitchers, and they were pitching these really smart major league pitchers. They're pitching, but they're actually pitching to the guy on deck. And I said, what the heck? No, they're setting that guy up as they pitch to this guy. And so – it's the clover is kind of the same thing. And what made me think about it last year, remember when Luke Combs' crew came down and we had a lot of pressure on to take them. There's like five of them we're taking hunting. Every one of them killed a great deer. And it was such a great trip. Almost every one of them but one killed them over clover, not over anything else. We planted fresh food plots for the year. It was residual clover grown back from the year before that we fertilized and tended to. It was just bright, emerald green, and you know, I think deer like to go eat where there's lots of food, so they were in the bigger fields also. But I would just, what I'm just speaking to is not only did we have that clover feeding our deer and getting them in better shape, but it was the best place to hunt over that we had. Mm. Now, that was because we had planted that clover the year before and tended to it like we should have. And it taught me, so I'm feverishly trying to spend the money to do it right with my clover even though it seems to cost more, I know it's going to return more. So what's it worth saving a few dollars if you don't have better wildlife? I always think about, you know, and I'm 62 now. What's another year of my life, as much as I enjoy my wildlife and I live for all that, did I scrimp to miss out on another year? You know, I, it's like the ducks. If I don't plant it, we won't even have ducks. At least deer will be around. So the point I was making is just think really hard about what you're doing and maybe – Spending a little money might be the smartest thing. I remember the great Dr. Wood saying to me one time, maybe you don't need to try to plant so many places. Only <laughs> plant the amount of acreage that you can do right and spend the money and do right. And he was right. Yeah, Kenny, I see you shaking your head. Absolutely. There, so. 100%. I know yeah. he's saying that. Absolutely. Because if they hire Kenny, they know they're going to do it. If they get Austin, they know they're going to do it right. And it's worth every bit because those people know what's it worth to waste another year and not let up. Someone really knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Tend to my stuff. Yeah. Hey, Lanny. Yeah. In the history of the Gamekeepers magazine, even when it started as farming for wildlife, mm-hmm. think back now. It's over 10 years. It's like yeah. 66 issues. There have only been two covers that had people on them. Can and you, one of them was Tim, Kenny Thompson. I remember that. Yeah, That's well, right. Yeah, yeah. Can you think of what the other one was? <laughs> that was when the stock market crashed, right? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that, that's it. We had Kenny in a, and the other one a, was a tractor. Who was driving it? Neil? Well, he wasn't driving it. He was out. But close enough. Yep. So, well, I just thought that was, I, was kind I didn't of know that, Bobby. That's, Kenny, that's Kenny walked cool. in and saw his cover yeah. laying over there. And he was yeah, of course he did. That was, that was in the old Biomax days, yeah. I believe, so. Yeah, and uh, so that ruins my another great. <laughs> I told you he was going to get yeah, it. That was a great problem. I told you he was going to get it. <laughs> so you Kenny, already got the trivia question. <laughs> yeah. So while everybody's kind of uh, Lanny, yeah, we we prepared those questions. Why don't you add? Why don't you do? The, why don't you we, introduce the segment? We, okay, so we've got a new that? segment that we're calling the Rapid Fire. We're going to ask you some questions, and it's brought to you by our friends at. Springfield Army. Springfield Army, Army. that's make right. make that 1911 pistol that uh, you can rapid fire that pistol, Kenny. Okay. All right, so, Kenny, are you ready? I don't know. You got one <laughs> so word answer. Just, just just if you, and if you don't. He, if he you lives don't. to embarrass his yeah. closest friends, and I know how tight y'all are, so I, D- I, feel Dudley, for I feel for you. Dudley easily handles the rapid fire here. So, But it's, you know, two things, two options. If you if neither is the answer, neither is the answer. Okay. okay. All right. You ready to go? Oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Ready? Soft tacos or hard tacos? Hard. Ah. Sweet or unsweet? Sweet. Diesel or gas? Diesel. Wheat or oats? Oats. Brim or bass? Bass. Link or patty? Patty. Ah. White meat or dark meat? Dark meat. Fried or grilled? Fried. (laughs) I knew that one. (laughs) Uh, Maximum or deer radish? Maximum. 
Clover Plus or non-typical? Clover Plus. Mallard or Pintail? Mallard. Sushi or Hibachi? Neither. Neither. (laughs) (laughs) Rooster Tail or Beetle beetle Spin? Rooster Tail. Luke Combs or Luke Bryan? Luke Combs. Boom. (laughs) Sausage Gravy or Red Eye Gravy? Red Eye. And out-of-state hunting or in-state hunting? Ooh. Both. Both. Good answer. That's <laughs> uh, a heart, though. Yeah. yeah. He did pretty good. I think I'm just going to let Kenny answer for me from now. Yeah. Because he, he, he was just about down. Yeah, he was. He I, I was mouthing my answer, and he was saying almost <laughs> almost every time. Uh, Kenny, good we've stuff. known you a long time. Well, you've been a great friend of the business. and uh, Great friend of the brand. Yeah. And great te- field tester. I mean, research guy for us. Oh. When we have problems, we call oh my Kenny gosh. and Austin. There's <laughs> no – you know, in this, we go, we talk about it. Uh, we've been – I think we even put in the commercials now. I'm not, I don't even follow it close enough, but time is so important. Man, yes. you can't ever get it back. And so, and I love to talk about it because it's, to me, it's so gratifying to look around the company and see people that have been here 20, 25, 30 years, just like I'm looking at now. But Kenny's the same way, yep. you know? He's sure. And so those you can't like, run him off. No. But those, <laughs> there's something like when you look plus. back and you know you've been through trials and tribulations. So, you know, he could have moved on. Or we could have let them go, or we could have, you know, things could have been different. You know, it's just something so gratifying for people that spend that amount of time together. When you look back, it's so gratifying. So I just want to say that thank you. Whether we don't hear from you or not, you've always been there and believed Every in time. us. And that's the only thing that ever makes us tick is people believing in yeah. us. So thank, thank you. Y'all. Yeah. Thank you. Very much. Well, and you've helped so many people. I oh mean, my there, gosh. all these farms that you manage. I mean, you're helping guys because there's a lot of guys that, I won't <laughs> say doctor, lawyer, Indian chiefs that, Probably don't have any business hooking up discs and bush hogs, and, and but they want to hunt. And they want to have a good place, but they and they can get somebody like you to help them. I got the next name for his business. I just thought of it. <laughs> What's that? Because you, I was thinking about the, the the thousands and thousands of food plots he's planted, acres of food plots, probably thousands of food plots. And then I thought about you know the first thing I think about is just how many critters has each fed. You know, it's like. Hunters feed the hungry. Meals on wheels. That's, hey, that's, that's right. definitely, and he's talking about transport, transporting equipment around yeah. everywhere. So Kenny is literally doing meals on wheels for wildlife. Yeah, you, don't he have? He's got some factoids about how many, how much he's planted and other kind of stuff like that, don't yeah. you? Kenny, off the top of your head, how many plots have you planted? Uh, I mean, how many acres? Yeah, no way. It was fourteen thousand. Yeah, it? well, this fall we should hit the fourteen thousand acre mark in the twenty-one years. Wow! So. so the other thing that was impressive to me it was how many Pope and Young animals had come off the farms you manage. What what was that number like? Twenty something? Yeah. Wow. Uh, it's like twenty-seven, I think. And we've had. Uh, I texted it to. It's like seven or eight Boone and Crockett's. Boom. In Tennessee. No, it's 53 Pope yeah, and Young. 53 Pope and Young. And yeah. seven Boone and Crockett's. Yeah, and, I mean, think about it. It's like the Pope and Young thing is such a difficult, oh, yeah. you know, with bow versus gun thing. It's, well, part that's, of that, too. Is that's, that's, that takes – it speaks to the food plot, the power of the food plot, because it yeah. – I mean, when you kill someone with a bow, it's such a tough yeah. – Big, The biggest part of that piece, I mean, the food, of course, has got to be there, but – the building of the habitat, the huntability of that farm, and setting that farm up to to be able to harvest that kind of animal is is the key. So when we look at a new property and we put that evaluation in through a management plan or through even if we just consult on the farm and don't actually do the work, the access to the farm is number one. Absolutely number one if you want to kill a mature deer, you gotta get in without even knowing you're there. The huntability of that farm overall with the habitat, the cover, the water, the food, of course. So it's not just the food plots. It's the whole package that's going to produce those kind of animals. It, it, it's incredible. I Take wish you off. lived closer because I'd get you to help move my little place. Because I, I, what you do is just amazing, how you love on a place, but you've got such good insight into what needs to happen. So, But personally, you've killed several – I mean, I think you killed a Boone and Crockett a couple of years ago, didn't you? Yeah, we've, we've been pretty fortunate to find some good deer. No yeah. wonder fourteen thousand acres of food plots. <laughs> yeah, we 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 get pretty lucky every now and then. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah, but it, it's again, it's 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 hard work. I mean, it's learning those farms, it's learning the habits of the animals, and setting that farm up. You know, to be able to to harvest them without them knowing you're there. Yeah, it's Net all about access. There so. it is. So, guys, uh, what what do we what do we learn anything? I did every time I talked to Kenny and Austin and Toxie about clover, I learned something. Well. <laughs> I, it, I think 
clover is so important. And I think every time we kind of go down this road, it just reinforces that a little bit I mean, more. we talk about all that. We have warm season, we got cool season, but then you got the one that makes it all happen, which is clover. Critical part of everybody's management plans. And, you know, if you're really back, I mean, if Kenny does it, you're getting 10 years out of the daggum thing. It's got to be the most efficient planning, too. So so what is that a year? A bag of seed is uh, an acre's worth of Don't seed even, is about yeah, 60 bucks, 10 mm-hmm. years, six bucks. I, mean, I can do on. that, Matt. You no. can't even, you really can't measure how efficient it is if you're going to get Mr. Haney. <laughs> even he can do that, Matt. Yeah. Well, Richie has found some buttons over there. <laughs> Bobby, also, the closest, the, the most asked question I always get is what is, you know, what's, if you could plant one thing, what is it? Well, there's no magic bean, and that's always my answer. There's no magic bean. A variety and a, a versatility of annuals and perennials are yes. always the best option. But if you can only afford or you can only have the opportunity to plant one thing, it's going to be clover. Absolutely. Then I would, that's what I would tell no people. Doubt. Pick if you have a choice and you have, you know, whatever, two or five or eight or whatever fields, you might pick the biggest central one to the place and just devote that to clover. And then, you know, from there, there's all kinds of things you can do. But it's kind of like, you know, make it the backbone of your your, you know, your planning, yeah. your strategy, whatever you want to call it, for food plots. Yes. It's, it has certainly changed my dynamic on our places. Yeah. For sure. You know, one thing I'd, I'd like to mention, and Austin, I hope you're, you're still there. I, I think you are, but our clovers are coated. Mm-hmm. And I think that's real important for guys to understand how that works. Yeah, Bobby, I think that's a great um, subject to talk about and, and point out real quick. We do coat our clover seed, and we don't get as many questions about it now as we used to because a lot of I think a lot of people understand why we use a coating. But being a legume, clover needs a certain strain of bacteria to start that nitrogen affixation in the in the soil. And we're talking about you know not up above the ground where it starts affixing nitrogen through the leaves, but in the germination process it has to have the right strain of bacteria with it to start affixing nitrogen and germinating that seed and getting seedling growth. To do that, we need to coat that clover so that we've got something for it to adhere that bacteria with. And that's why you see the coating percentage on our clovers. And it's really important because if your soil doesn't have that strain of bacteria in it naturally, then you're not going to get near as much germination with raw seed. Um, in fact, I think most people get really disappointed if they plant a raw legume seed with no bacteria coating on it, no inoculation, because if that bacteria is not present in a really good population in that soil, you get very poor germination. And what does germinate is going to be really weak and it's probably going to get outcompeted by weeds really quickly. So all that to say, we coat our clover with the right strain of bacteria, the inoculation to make sure our customers get highest germination rate possible. We're not trying to sell less seed. We want people to be successful and coating clover with the right strain of bacteria is, is key to that. I could argue that it's the most important thing we do. In some cases, maybe even over the variety of clover because everything is begins with that foundation. Mm-hmm. I mean, for example, if the soil isn't just right, you hadn't gotten your pH just right or your nutrients, the fact that we're actually providing that teeny little seed when it first starts a root system and starts, that is that is kind of tended to form with the coating, mm-hmm. makes a huge difference in that seed doing better in a soil that's not perfect for it, uh, you know, for sure. And the other thing is it protects that seed until you plant better than just raw seed too. So, so many reasons why that's probably the best money we ever spend to bring you a clover product is the right. Now it could just be a coating. I'm not, so I don't know what everybody else does. And maybe there's a coating just as a filler, but not ours. And it is, it, I've done it. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Seedling survival. Go ahead, Kenny. You know, Bobby, you mentioned early on in here about how dry it is in September and October. That coating is almost like an insurance policy yes. in case we do hit after you plant, if we hit a two- to three-week window to protect that seed until we do get a rain event to get it germinated. Mm. So that coating is absolutely critical. Mm. Very important. Yeah. 
We need to be coding more. Well, just like to see, just think about seed code. He said that all it does is a microscopic area around that seed as it germinates. That's all it is. Micro environment. Yeah, it makes a huge difference in the health of that plant weeks and weeks and months from then. And that just, just that the very beginnings, the genesis of that germination is so critical to what you end up getting. It it makes a lot of sense. So a lot of guys don't understand that. They turn the bag over and they see a coating on there, and they think we're trying to pull pull a trick on them. But but we're actually making it better. It's a better product. And you're going to get more from a bag, even with that there, you'll end up with more forage per bag you buy that way than buying just raw You get a higher germination rate of what you're putting out. So if you're putting out 20 pounds an acre, you're going to get a better understand of getting on the absolutely and one more thing to add to the inoculation and bacteria you know, you know the the power of coated seed is that there's a lot of strains of bacteria to use for legumes and you know you can start looking to inoculate your own seed but you got to make sure you got the right strain for the legume that you're using so you know they they start off at strain a and go all the way down through j and k i think so there's a lot of different strains depending on whether you're planting a a soybean or um, a perennial white clover so some of the home remedies you know like adding coke to make the inoculant stick to the seed you know even some of those can work if everything's perfect you know if if planting conditions are just right but there was a study i read just a couple weeks ago that was talking about you know, using some of these home remedies to get inoculation to stick to a seed may only last about a week uh, in the soil as far as that bacteria staying alive. So something to pay attention to if you're trying to do this yourself, not saying it can't work, but you really got to make sure you've got the right ingredients and that, you know, the whole process is is streamlined. That's why we're trying to take that step out of it for people and coat our seed to make sure they get the highest germination rate and best results possible. Yeah, we appreciate you explaining that, uh, that, that Austin. So, guys, this has been uh, this has been interesting. Is there anything, any stones left unturned we need to to talk about? Kenny, is there anything else you want to say? Hey to some, hi to somebody, or <laughs> no? Just uh, I like everybody to remember our farmers. Uh, there you go. There you go. I mean, these time. guys have a thankless job that every variable to make them successful they can't control, and between the weather and the weeds and and all of the challenges they have with the fuel prices, the chemical prices, the seed prices right now. So everybody, you know, there's a, you know, you see the signs in the cafes that say, if you ate today, think a farmer. Well, I think we need to do more of that. Man, amen. Good point. Amen from the choir. Good point. Big time. Good point. All right, Toxie, look like you got somewhere you got to be in a few minutes. No, you kept me long enough. I'm probably going to be able to now, unfortunately. But well, we if don't. it had been anybody but Kenny, I'd probably be out there, you know, Trying to site prep something. That's no doubt about that. Well, we made it without Dudley. Poor Dudley. uh, Yep. He's he's under the weather. It's not the same without him. Uh, No, it's not. He'll be back soon. There's no telling what he's doing right now. Freaking out about something. (laughs) (laughs) Fantasizing about trees. It's almost harvest time for the tree business. That's true. Well, guys, thank you all for being here. I want to thank everybody for listening. Remember, the television show comes on on uh, Tuesday nights, Mm -hmm. the Gamekeeper Show. Got a good one coming up. Please watch those. It is the time. It is the season for right. gamekeeping. Yeah, for especially that, that food plot setting the table for so much of what we love. It's a fun time of year. So, you know, I would encourage people listening. If they have a question, let us know. Yeah. And uh, let's get going. Absolutely. Yep. Well, look, I'm going to do something a little different. Why don't you uh, say goodbye, Richie? Goodbye, Richie. Get us out of here, Mac Mac. Have fun, Mac Mac, at the beach. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast. And be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine. And don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.